Hey there and welcome back to the show. This is Brett and you are listening to Holistic Health Masterclass podcast. Um, back with a very interesting show today. And I think that for a lot of you, um, particularly practitioners actually, but I think also for um, people suffering from chronic illnesses, from mystery illnesses, uh, people that have tried everything and you feel like there's no way left to turn, um, I think that this show today might ring some bells for you and perhaps, uh, hopefully anyway, get you thinking a little bit differently um, about uh, what's going on with you, right? And maybe looking at exploring some other um, avenues and things that you might not have thought about before. Um, before I get into today's um, show, uh, I will just um, apologize for the glitchy audio in uh, the beginning of this episode. Um, I've been experimenting with a couple of new um, recording platforms and I'm also looking at doing uh, video podcasts as well. And I'm just finding that that Zoom is just not really cut out for that. Um, it's it's fuzzy video. It's not the greatest quality audio. So uh, anyway, so we went on this one on a different platform and it kind of worked. Um, but uh, anyway, in the beginning, you'll hear uh, the audio is not the greatest. And then uh, we kind of iron things out um, as the conversation gets rolling. So my apologies on that. Uh, so my guest today is... Is uh, Dr. Kasia Kynes. Uh, she is a doctorate of nutrition. Uh, she's a functional nutritionist as well with a ton of experience in um, both a clinical practice and also hospital settings and uh, university settings and so forth. And uh, she is an Epstein-Barr virus expert or EBV. And so that's actually what we talk, what we talk about today is um, the EBV solution. Uh, that is also the title of her book. And uh, she has an upcoming EBV practitioner workshop, uh, which is intended pr primarily for nutritionists, um, but of course, naturopaths and functional medicine practitioners as well. I'm sure that would interest you. Uh, so um, a couple of a couple of things here. Um, I don't, I'm not really going to recap the episode because I think it's pretty straightforward, but some of the things that we get into are, you know, how do we know someone has Epstein-Barr virus? How do we test? What are the signs and symptoms? What is it involved with? And then once we get to the solution side of things, you, you know, Kasha was a little bit hesitant to throw solutions out there, and I understand why she didn't do that. She didn't do it because the solutions are not a straight line. Okay, this is not something where I have X and I use A and B and then X disappears. It's not that simple. And if it was that simple, um, obviously Epstein-Barr virus would be very easy to get rid of. And of course, it is easy to a degree, but I encourage you to look at the resources here in the show notes. Okay, so ebvhelp.com, you can just click on that link. Um, that's a, a free website, tons of resources, podcasts, um, articles, and whatnot. And I think um, that's where I would probably point you to first. The second place would be to her book. And the third place, if you are a practitioner, is obviously to her practitioner workshop, which is coming up next month in February. So, um, yeah, so if you're a little bit disappointed at the lack of solutions at the end of this podcast, uh, go onto the free website and start digging for yourself. Okay, so, um, yeah, I think that's it from my side. Um, this is a shorter episode, but I feel like short, sweet and to the point. And uh, I really hope that um, this uh 
opens things up for you a little bit more and gets you thinking differently about your health. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And as always, um, please subscribe, leave a review, share this with your friends, family and community. And uh, please welcome to the show, Dr. Kasia Kynes. Hey everybody, welcome back to Holistic Health Masterclass podcast, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Dr. Kasia Kynes. Uh, she is the best-selling author of the book, The Epstein-Barr Virus Solution, and uh, we're going to talk all about Epstein-Barr virus and these types of stealth infections that are kind of lurking in the background for a lot of these mystery type of illnesses, uh, autoimmune issues, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, and other things. And these types of infections are very, very difficult to detect. Um, a lot of people don't really and so I wanted to invite you on the show today, Kasia, to uh, at least just give us a, a, a 101 type of intro, because I know this is a very complex topic, uh, but just give us a bit of an intro into what Epstein-Barr virus is, and we can kind of work from there. Before I do that, um, I would love to know a little bit about your background and, you know, what's your experience been in the field? What do you do? Um, you know, you're obviously you're an Epstein-Barr virus expert, but uh, perhaps give us the potted bio, if you will. My bio. Well, uh, I've been a, a functional nutritionist for over 15 years, I think now. Um, <clears throat> I'm trained at Bastyr. I worked at Hopkins with Dr. Mullen for a few years. Um, um, I've worked with all the gut issues, complexities, heart cases, complex cases like we all do uh, in our field, um, in the United States. <clears throat> and then at certain point, uh, you know, the, the further you go into that um, rabbit hole, the more uh, demoralized you will get because eventually you'll get cases when you get stuck and you hit the wall. And then as good as I was, I just knew there was something I was missing and that's, that's common. I also lost a very dear friend. I watched her for 20 years fight her multiple sclerosis. And so on the more spiritual, personal mm. level, I was asking the universe, why couldn't I help her all these years? What didn't I know? What was it? What was it? And there were, there were strange things that happened in my life. Uh, so I feel I'm just a messenger. <clears throat> I was the person that had to pick up that baton, so to speak, and I could either pick it or not see it. And because I was, it was so painful to lose my friend, I was always asking the question about her illness, that things started to come um, more when she died, actually, when we lost her. And, um, and then there was the medical medium, of course. A couple of my clients were asking about this, so I had to read it. Uh, I, I actually read it on a plane to a conference because I didn't have time to read, but probably a lot of people are aware. Have you heard of him? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... I almost fell off my chair on the plane because it was like reading my the stories of my my, my my clients. So so what I did is after that plane trip, I started to backtrack and I'm because I had so many clients in my, my head where I, I felt I failed them. And so I started to backtrack and then, and then I started to diligently ask them to test and I started to study the testing and then I was doing a doctoral program and and the interesting thing started to happen. Um, we had Dr. Vasquez who trained us in virology and it was the only time he trained there. 
and I was in that that cohort. And so that was not focused on EBV, but that really trained me on viruses. So, so I started to hone in, you know, between the protocol he was using, between the, you know, the 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 opening of the door with medical medium. It's like, if what he claims is true, what if 50% of what he claims is true? So I had these conversations because I started to apply protocols and tweak them and read medical literature, and I started to get results to the point where in my doctoral program, my director, my husband, my colleagues, everybody was insisting that I write a book. And I said, what book? I've never written a book. I don't have time. I don't have life. <laughs> I'm juggling the doctoral program and my patients. I started with medical literature. And so I focused on medical literature review for Epstein-Barr virus as my PhD pro uh, pro uh, no, project. And so that's how it started. It started with 75 pages. And then I think I sent it to Isabella Lenz uh, just to take a look at it. And she says, when are you publishing it as a book? It's like, what are you talking about? So, you know, long story short, I just felt at a certain point that I did have a responsibility to share that. The book is almost 600 pages because the book is for medical communities. So it's like one third is about the research, all these connections. And then two thirds is for for community, for people, for, for clinicians, for nutritionists. This book is actually written mostly for nutritionists because we're in the best position. The protocols that I devised are so absolutely nutrient-based. It's, it's unbelievable. And so we are mm -hmm. in the best position to understand it and run with it. So um, it's, like a, it's like a great handbook because it goes through spirituality, it goes through physiology, it goes through um, uh, misconceptions, uh, foundations. It's just, it has everything in it. So people read it and read it and read it and go back. Um, and so <clears throat> we need to change the way the medicine uh, deals with it um, because you have extreme uh, ends of the spectrum and medical medium is right here and then medical community is right there. And the way the medical community mm. treats uh, EBD is obsolete. And it's not, it's not really in accordance with the medical literature. And that's painful because the, the, it's so, in there. They just don't know. Yeah. So, so do, you, do you feel that the, this Epstein-Barr virus infection, do you feel that it's largely overlooked by the medical community? Like, like they just, they're not even yes. addressing it? Or do you think that they do acknowledge it and they're just not sure what to do? Acknowledgement is in functional medicine more. And yeah. the interesting thing is, you know, a few years ago, at the conference of um, uh, Institute of Functional Medicine, it was an um, international conference on our immunity. <clears throat> I was there, I attended a lecture on EBV. There was a chiropractor, wonderful doctor, who, who lectured on it and he's trying to figure it out. He doesn't have clear protocols, but he's getting ahead, he's getting some results. And it was fascinating because the full room, he had standing ovation. And I had a poster then. Mm. So the, the, in the functional medicine, there's huge need. People are asking, and that's how we connected. Because I was last night, I was I was trying to record all these emails and names. It's like let's do Zoom. Um, the I had a poster there um, on EBV, and people. I had 30 minutes by the computer, and people lingered for one hour because they were kept asking questions because it's such a hot topic. It is a big deal. And I think my job 
is to be right in the middle between those extremes, bridge everyone, because there's millions of people that are falling through cracks between those two extremes. And basically, yeah. if there's a claim from a spiritual realm, my job was to verify it and validate it in medical literature and then see what I can use in my practice first. Because first I tried with my clients and I hone on it. And then whatever was solid, yeah. like invincible, I could put it in protocols in the book, I could put it, and then, and then three years, four years ago, I ran a practitioner training for four months and then I ran out of time. The last three years, I was totally focused on uh, spreading the word, talking, interviews, and then also honing in on uh, a consumer program. We have an amazing consumer program. It's been running for over two years, two years now. And so I needed to set that first. So that's, that's, uh, that's on demand now. We have yeah, community. Yeah. And now coming back to the, to the clinical training because we really need to, we really need to uh, uh, teach na next generation. And for me, since we're nutritionists, you know, we're the best at it. So I would love to train mostly nutritionists, like just get them to start their practice and you could create your practice totally around DBD, you know, because it's such a need and people are so sick. That's the hardest part. People are so sick with it. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. That's the story. Yeah, you're in the right place. We have a ton of nutritionists that listen to this show. So no doubt um, some ears are perking up uh, right now, which is great. So what I would like to do is just start from, you know, because we've got a mixed audience here. There's a lot of well-educated um, lay people. And then we also have, um, uh, you know, practitioners and whatnot. So I think for a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people haven't even heard of Epstein-Barr virus, right? EBV. So where would, how, how do people actually contract the virus? Like, how does it get into your body and what are the common sources of contraction? Um, well, it's been around for a couple of millions of the, uh, years. I understand much, much longer than we. And um, globally, about 90, 95% of the population has it. So it's, uh, you can't wow. be uh, living in a bubble. Yeah, we have it. I probably have it. I've never tested. Mm. Um, it's, you have all kinds of viruses mm. and all kinds of pathogens that if we do what we're supposed to do, we're fine. We never hear from them. That's just that's just bottom line. It's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. when we hear from them, that's a problem. So, yeah. So, um, unfortunately, if um, I think if you zoom out, we have more toxicity. There's very specific environmental toxins that uh, can trigger problems with EBV. We have more of that. We are more nutrient deficient, and I'm preaching to the choir because we know, we nutritionists know the studies, the soil depletion, yeah. you know. it's it, So we have like a double, triple whammy where the body is not getting what it needs to on a normal basis. Plus, we're overstressed. We don't have a tribe. We don't have support needed. We are stretched thin. Uh, people are isolated, even especially this year, that last year. And so, and culturally, we are isolated. We don't have tribe anymore. There's no division of jobs. We do everything, especially women. And um, so this mm. combination, and then moles, and then Wi-Fi technology. Wi-Fi technology is extremely detrimental to our community. And so you just add layers, and it's like the, 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 the weak link. There's something's got to give. And the virus is in this environment, especially stress.
Yeah. So do you feel then that there's, you know, uh, considering 90 to 95 percent of people have this virus laying dormant inside of them? Do you feel is it fair to sort of say that a lot of these other things that we spoke about, nutrient deficiencies, electromagnetic frequencies, um, stress and so on, does that really like kick the virus into some sort of activity? And that's when it causes problems for yeah, people? Yeah. Yeah. You okay. know, some people, some, some researchers claim that viruses are not really living um living organisms it's more like you know it turns on and off uh and so in that sense i have to say the good news is the virus is uh i'm now quoting medical literature treatable and reversible and sometimes rapidly depending on a person uh so the switch on and off okay. it's once you know how many things turn it off you can learn how to turn it off um so if it's just a matter of EVP, hmm. it's it's Totally doable. Yeah. You just have to know, understand and know what to do. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's that's an interesting, the whole concept is kind of interesting that you've got this non-living thing that's just hanging out inside mm -hmm. of you and then it gets activated. And I guess I wondered to myself, mm -hmm. like, what does it really mean to become activated? Like, is it technically all of a sudden now it's alive or does it just mean that all of a sudden right. it's starting to cause problems or... And again, maybe we're splitting right. hairs here, but I think a lot of people probably have that question. You know, if it's if it's dead or yeah. dormant, how does it suddenly become alive? You know. Yeah. So here, the the concept is: is it a living organism? Because I I think it's a living organism, but there is a concept of virus being mechanical, more almost like in a computer virus, when it's not it's not like a bacterium. Um, who knows? Well, the thing is that. Um, for most people, the recognizable form of acute uh, infection is mono, mononucleosis, or scarlet fever in other countries, mm. sometimes it's called. And, and in, in a regular person, uh, it may be five, six weeks, maybe two, three weeks, maybe in bed, maybe you have to uh, take a break from college, from classes, and stay in bed for a few weeks, and then you go back to normal and you're fine. So probably majority of cases maybe half of the cases with mono, that's probably what, what will happen. And you never hear from it again and you're fine. The problem is with the community we tend to deal with. These are the people who fall through the cracks. These are the people who are not responding. These are the people who develop this called of chronic mononucleosis syndrome, which is like chronic fatigue. When you yeah. And some people and, and a lot of people in our community actually have been through this. A lot of health providers, um, nutritionists and NDs, they've had something like that. They talked to me. So I had terrible mono. I had debilitating mono when I was five or 11. And then you kind of never recover to your baseline. And all kinds of stuff happens over the years. That's a typical scenario when that mono actually turns mm. on the virus that doesn't doesn't it doesn't turn off completely later so so and it's a it's a misconception that if you had mono once you can't have it again so is it is it also safe to say then that someone who had mono for sure has epstein-barr virus in them well they've had it yeah I, I guess, I mean, are there any signs and symptoms for people to look out for? Uh, let's say, you know, obviously mono is one thing where you, you get it and you obviously know that you're sick. But um, is it possible for people to get Epstein-Barr virus and not be sick at all and not even know that they have it? And then the follow-up question to that would be, you know, once it does kick into gear and it does become activated, what are some of the more common signs and symptoms that people might experience? So uh, 
great question. So, you know, it's such a bucket. Um, there is, <laughs> there are lists and lists, literally lists and list tables in my book with different conditions, also different symptoms and different presentations. For example, in Japan, very oddly, there's more people that have um, oversensitivity to uh, mosquito bites, they get infected or odd things like low platelets or nosebleeds. <laughs> you know, there's, there's just plethora, autoimmune disorders, um, all kinds of inflammatory conditions, even encephalitis, you know, you, you, different organ systems can be affected. But mostly, mostly people just feel they have this ongoing brain fog and fatigue, and sometimes achingness, pain, more like uh, fibromyalgia. So it could be chronic fatigue-like, fibromyalgia-like, total brain fog, and then depression, and and things like that. So it's really hard to figure out what it is because it could be all kinds of things. I mean, these symptoms belong to yeah. a lot of no causes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So this is why in, in, in functional medicine, in nutrition, if you have a protocol, you run because we're so good at these conditions, right? If you do everything right, which is exactly yeah. what, I was be, what I would be doing in the past, and they're still not recovering, this is where you want to catch the CBV and exclude it. Because if you look at the research, the researcher says people who have refractory conditions, so they don't respond to the therapy as they're supposed to. This is where you should exclude chronic CBV. And the same is if, um, mm. if people have, um, um, what is the name in medicine? Uh, if people have... Um, unexplained medical conditions, chronic medical conditions, you should exclude EBV. That's medical literature, these two statements. Uh, idiopathic, yes, wow. idiopathic wow. condition. Should yeah. yeah, so it's research is there. So, yeah, this was incredible. When I it was like a rabbit hole. When I started to pursue medical literature, I was, I almost uh, fell off my chair. That's why I'm, I'm thinking I'm just a messenger. I just needed to put it together. So everybody can benefit, you know, just that's what I had to do. And as, as someone who deals a lot with um, autoimmune issues in, in clinic, um, you know, obviously I kind of see a lot of people, not as much, but I see people with chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia and stuff. So a lot of what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think for people listening out there, whether you're a practitioner or, um, you know, non-practitioner, uh, I think one thing that I really took away from what you were just saying is once you hit that wall, you know, if, if conventional treatments, whether it's it's um, allopathic or whether it's natural, yeah. if it's not working or you're having these really negative reactions, mm -hmm. that's where you got to start thinking outside the box. And I think for a lot of people, um, yeah. ep things like Epstein-Barr virus and stealth infections are usually things that they never, ever think about. Um, but it's they're extremely difficult to yeah. detect, right? So perhaps let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how do we how do we figure out if someone actually has Epstein Barr virus or not? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, and you know, there there there's lots of literature on proper testing and proper testing interpretation. And the problem is, um, so here is the reality of it. Ever since um, medical medium, millions of people, I think, have been banging on the door. To the doctor's office, like I think I have a BV, and some of them may. I need to mm -hmm. be tested. So imagine medical community and medical doctor who has a lot of work, and it's it's probably very frustrating for them to get all these people that now it's a fad. 
everybody thinks they have EBV. And so what I find is that doctors don't want to test it. And people sometimes go for a few years trying to find a medical doctor or functional doctor who is willing to test, which is sad because if consumers are listening to us, they are direct to consumer labs. You can test. You don't have to rely on a doctor. But basically, uh, let me see. Uh, the 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 testing is is simple, straightforward, but you have to know what it is basically. So what we created is mm -hmm. we have a, a big database website with a lot of free resources, and and one of the pages on that website is lab interpretation, like really basic, co completely relevant, most important variations, pitfalls of lab interpreting, color coded charts from literature. Uh, and this is EBV help, H-E-L-P, like helping. That's a website and, and the conditions, medical conditions uh, linked to PubMed are there. So because for me, it's very important. If somebody's Googling this condition, I don't want them to go astray. Go straight to that website and look at research. And, and just there's a there's a pop up on that page. I did a 15 minute Facebook live with our community uh, about lab interpretation. So the video is there. You can just, you know, plug in and watch it. It's really important, and so doctors can watch it too. And and so this is the trick. This is where people for years are misdiagnosed because that part is missing. So this is I really I really teach this to everyone, to clients, students, you know, to practitioners. It's it's a key ingredient. Uh, if you get that, then you and, and plus you have to have a calm, you know timeline as you, we call it in functional medicine, right? You have to have a context of the person if it makes sense, the presentation, the stories kind of match with the EBV. Um, the easiest way for people to figure out if that could be part of their, their puzzle is if they read my book, for my new clients, I always said, read the book and look through your life. Like going through the book, look through your life through the eyes of the virus. You're gonna start picking up clues from the book that you didn't know. For example, one of my Hashimoto's client, um, she says, oh my gosh, I had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. It was idiopathic when I was a kid and nobody knew why. But that's one of the autoimmune disorder that is uh, caused by EBV directly in medical literature. It's like, that's what it was. And then she looked at her college. Oh my gosh, I had mono in college during exams. I couldn't function. And then I would get bouts of depression, overweight. And it's like, oh my gosh, this was not me. This was not me being crazy. This is, this is, a, it's like, you can see the trajectory. So mm. that's another benefit of, of the book because there's so many stories and the literature, some stories, and and regular people start seeing this. And it's priceless, you know, it gives you empowerment. Uh, doctors can't do it for you that well. You know, they have to listen to your story and pick on <laughs> clues, but mm, if it makes sense. Yeah, well, I think that's so important as well, you know, for for practitioners to actually take the time and listen to their clients and patients. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, so many people rush things. We don't listen to the full stories. We don't do full health histories and look at timelines and stuff like that. And I think that's where, you know, obviously the functional medicine and also I would say nutrition piece, uh, you know, a lot of the practitioners I train, I always tell them, look at the timelines, look at the timelines, look at the chronology of everything thing and then kind of go from there yeah. so um i love that you're talking about all this stuff i mean you're totally talking my language here it's great yeah. but um 
you, you know, so a simple a simple blood test. I mean, is that all we're we're talking about here? Just a simple blood test to look yeah. for antibodies against EV, EBV Correct. or yeah. Okay. Correct. For antibodies, I think in Canada it's a little bit different. I think you have uh, lytic and um, the lysine and um, latent uh, stages are are tested and not the antibodies, I think, if I remember correctly. So I want to ask you a question um, that's a little bit more pointed towards um, autoimmune issues, particularly because, you know, autoimmune disease has really skyrocketed over the last 10, 15 years. And we're starting to see a lot more, um, you know, Hashimoto's, lupus, um, some of the IBDs and that sort of stuff. So like maybe you can speak a little bit more how viruses might trigger um, autoimmune disease, particularly, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, perhaps concepts like molecular mimicry and stuff like that—that that some folks might not have mm-hmm. heard of before. Uh, okay, so not so much molecular mimicry. Uh, there are some hypotheses on different conditions. So, um, so I don't even remember which conditions might be linked. But the interesting thing is, uh, lupus is basically a, a, a golden standard presentation, one of the most common presentations of, uh, of uh, chronic EBV, actually. Um, okay. Hashimoto's, okay. yeah, Hashimoto's, so absolutely look for that. Hashimoto's is triggered, uh, caused by a few agents, like, you know, uh, as you know, and uh, EBV is one of the biggest causative factors. So EBV can literally sit in your thyroid. And so that's where it would be. Um, mm. So, like in the case in the case of that Hashimoto's uh, client of mine, and and this is a, a interesting point, and this will be relevant for for our practitioners and colleagues. I knew that client. I had worked with her for her IBS a number of years before. She was on great supplements. She had great diet, and so on and so forth. I had no idea she had had these odd presentations over the years because you know we never. We never focused on that. We were doing different things and she was doing great until she wasn't. And she was very lucky because her practitioner actually tested her Hashimoto's, tested her antibodies for thyroid and EBV at the same time. So this woman single-handedly saved a lot of pain, a lot of years and a lot of money because somebody was smart enough to just exclude these and she had both. And so what we did, we, we literally focused on EBV and normalize the thyroid and all the symptoms. Hmm. So she was normal, fully functional, okay. and she and she learned the tools to use if she reactivates again and what to watch for. So this is the power that we have over this virus, literally. It's cool. It's it's the best thing. Yeah, and I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, it is exciting because, you know, I think that for a lot of people, um, especially those types of chronic and complex cases where they've, you know, seen a lot of doctors and specialists and yes. stuff. And, they, you know, by the time you see them, they're just so hopeless and so beaten up that they feel like they've tried everything and nothing else is going to work. And so I find information like this is very empowering for people because, you know, you and I both know as people who've been in this field for a long time, that when you start thinking outside the box like this and you start investigating other things, that's where you really start getting to some obscure 
hidden root causes mm -hmm. that a lot of other practitioners yeah. um, might miss and perhaps they don't even know about it. So I'm really um, happy to yeah. hear that. So I guess, um, you know, w what can people do then? Like, let's say, let's say they go on to, they read your book, they look at the EBV help website and they go, oh my gosh, like this, this sounds like me. <laughs> What do I do next, right? What do I, what, what what are the the key um, maybe the core components um, in terms of you know treatment and stuff like that? Yeah, the first first of all, you know the the first thing is the website. It's a it's a free website, so a lot of resources. And then on the website, there's a lot of podcasts and interviews there that I've given, and so that kind of saturates your mind and you start reframing how you look at things. By the time people start to read the book. The feedback I get is that it's the first time they have hope and things are clicking. And then the next thing is, you know, the book has mm. protocols. The book, you know, it was it was difficult for me to write because it's uh, it's robust and it has to be customized. And so it's hard to talk to somebody I don't know because in our space we work one on one, so we know the person, the context. So I have to be so careful. Don't overdo this. This is like, that. But we have to be aggressive at the same time because that's where the magic happens with specific things. Uh, uh, but then the, the protocol is nutrient-based because, you know, you can hit the virus and turn it off with the amazing nutrients like selenium. You just have to be aggressive with it. And, you know, you have to have the, the safety limit. Mm. So up to 800, but not more. But you could do 800 and it's yeah. pretty safe, medically speaking, uh, at this level, if you don't overdo it, um, so so this is where the magic happens. Uh, so the book the book is available, and then unfortunately, you know, four years ago when I did the uh, practitioner training, I certified two practitioners only at that time. Uh, one is in Australia. I think she still practices. The other one doesn't practice. She's a functional practitioner certified, but she doesn't practice anymore. So I, I need more. We need an army so people can go to the website, find them and work <laughs> with them and, and all that. So right now, it's, right now it's me. So the, you know, we do have the EBV recovery program. So literally it's ebvonlineprogram.com. <clears throat> and that's the on demand. That's the big, robust mama. It has everything in it. And the, 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 the protocols are there, uh, really like expanding on the book. Um, there's a big component on the heavy metal interference, the Wi-Fi technology interference, the mo uh, mode interference. These are these are the things that heavy metals, the, these cloud the results you can get from a straightforward EBV protocol. These are the complications. And then co-infections, of course, like hmm. uh, H. pylori is big, SIBO is frequent, um, uh, fungus, candida, you know, sometimes comes also with, with uh, mold infections. So, so no, so we have that consumer. If people are really ready to jump and do the things, um, we just actually had a monthly Q and A coaching call just before earlier today. Uh, so I still do that with the group. Yeah, we have yeah. a Facebook group, and you know what we created, and this is created for practitioners as well as for uh, for people with EBV. We have this, and this is on that website too. Uh, we have something called EBV Heroes. See, my husband framed it for me. Who we are, what we do, what kind of community we are. And this is also, um, uh, we are also clinicians who refuse to settle and want the answer for those suffering from EBV right now. So it's like we're creating a, a, a positive culture of you know healing and moving forward and education. 
So, so that consumer part, I've been working on it, you know, since 2017, and this is like well, well working. And now, now I really need to focus on practitioners because we need to know we it's time for us to get the tools. Um, and some practitioners are using yeah. the book, and I get good reports from them using the book as well. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, you know, um, and, and I know uh, as someone who trains and coaches practitioners for many years now, you know, when you start getting into this world, uh, especially with the chronic and complex cases and stuff, um, it's very common for you to do the things that you know. So, you know, we, we have good protocols and good ideas on how to treat candida and SIBO and H. pylori and these types of things. But then I, I think it's important for people to realize that once they've done all of these things, if they hit a wall mm. and they're still not seeing any more yeah. progress, this is where I would steer them towards, yeah. you know, things like what you're talking yeah. about and these things that are kind of lurking in the background. Um, so you actually have a practitioner program that's coming up, um, I think, next month, right? And that's uh, the EBV Practitioner yeah. Workshop. Uh, so why don't you yeah. share a little bit about that? And for those of you that are listening to that right now, uh, you can actually click the link below in the show notes. Um, uh, just do that as soon as possible because I know there's some discounts going on and, and stuff like that leading up to it. So I'll hand over the mic to you and uh, maybe you can just tell us a little bit more about that practitioner program, Kasia. Yeah. Well, it's been coming for a long time. I'm very excited. I got a little derailed because I... I had to deal with mold and I am still dealing with mold here. Um, so I got sick. It is a crash course. So the one that I launched in 2017 was a four month program, you no know, going through steps with patients. So we were working through A to Z through clinicians and their, their patients, their cases. Uh, but mm. this one is an opportunity since, you know, we have all, since our community is so primed for Zoom now, we're all doing it online. Um, I created a syllabus, I think, from 10 o'clock to about 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific, I think. So this was the, the kind of the best time for different time zones. And uh, just a Friday and a Saturday. So it's like a crash course. And my goal is to just jump into the nitty-gritty, big picture, nitty-gritty, practical application. So come Monday, you can pick up and run the protocols. Because um, there's different layers to the protocols, and they are like the, the, the initial protocol is a map road to see where they're going. Within three weeks, you should see uh, the the needle moving. So it's like, you know, there's step to it. So wow. So that's where we are right now. Uh, I haven't run a short one like that. So this is like um, drinking from a fire hose, and I don't want to do it just as like a, <laughs> you know lecture, 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 because I'm sick and tired of lectures. Uh, you know, I drop out of yep. Zoom and then I never look at my notes. <laughs> Have you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, well, so I'm hoping yeah, that it's going to yeah. be fun, reactive and practical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important, you know, um, just to, to create uh, some sense of community around these types of protocols in air quotes, because, you know, a lot of times, as you said, what happens is people will go and watch a weekend seminar or will watch lectures and then will kind of 
turn it off and carry on with our lives. And I find that once we actually have community around us, once we have other practitioners that we can bounce things off and uh, work on these things together, um, I really feel like that's where the strength um, comes through because it's lonely out there. You know, when you're a lone practitioner, um, I've been pioneering online and virtual practicing for almost six years now. And I moved out into the country. I got out of the city. And yeah, you know, you can sit here all day long and sometimes it gets a little bit lonely. So it's actually really nice to, uh, to, to have community and to um, powwow with practitioners. And of course, as you said, everyone is now having to go virtual. Uh, so, you know, all the more reason um, to cultivate uh, that, that type of community around this type of issue. So, Kasia, I think that's a good point um, for us to wrap up. And I just want to say thank you so much. I know this was really a blip in time. And uh, this is a, a topic that is um, very complicated there's a lot of nuance to it and so i think um, i'm gonna put your book down in the show notes and we're also going to put the link to the practitioner program in the show notes as well and uh, also the link to the ebv help uh, website for um, people who suspect that they might have that's going around and they can go and check it out for themselves absolutely and thank you so much for having me yes exactly i'm so lonely in my head it's so great to bounce it off with you and and share with the community so i'm really grateful thank you for for finding me and uh, all right inviting me here awesome thank you yeah thank you so much and uh, for everyone who's watching this or listening to this um once again uh, if you enjoyed today's show please share it subscribe to the show leave us a review and uh, yeah check out some of the links in the show notes uh, for some cool stuff coming up uh, everything to do with epstein-barr virus so thanks for tuning in and uh, you have yourself a beautiful day wherever you are Bye.